You've probably seen his cooking shows on PBS. He's done something like 1,500 of them. The Yan Can Cook Show was the previous program displaying his talents in preparing Asian dishes. Martin Yan has a new PBS series titled Quick and Easy, which has a companion volume of the same name. Quick and Easy are two terms with great appeal in a country where too many of us succumb to the ease of fast food. We're confident Martin Yan will be as informative and entertaining as always, explaining how it's done to anyone and everyone who enjoys good Asian food, which is, frankly, everyone I know. We welcome you to Radio Parallax, Martin Yan. Good afternoon. A lot of listeners will be surprised by this, but uh, I learned from UC Davis' alumni magazine that you're, in fact, an Aggie, having studied food science here at UC Davis. Definitely. I, I graduated before anybody was born. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was very honored and, uh, and privileged to be a um, commencement speaker of 2004. I did not know that. That's wonderful. Well, one presumes that a background in food science complements your training in restaurants and kitchens, your on-the-job training. Definitely, because basically the, the, the study of food science is about the safety, the process, and the origin of food and ingredient. And basically, as a cooking professional, now that you go to cooking schools, any culinary school, they have food science uh, lectures, as well as um, there's an um, organization called the Research Chef Association. So food science and the food um, handling and cooking should go hand in hand. The more you understand the science of food, the more you can make use of those knowledge and to create something that are very artistic. So cooking is not only food, and cooking is not only an art, but also a science. And we should plug the department here. Food Science 1 was one of the greatest classes I took when I was a student at UCD. Well, particularly a wine tasting. That's even better. <laughs> well... Martin, did you receive much formal training as a chef, or are you a man who sort of found his own way taking the science and going forward into the kitchen? Well, I have a short uh, training, um, uh, about six to eight months, under a, a master chef in, Guang, in Hong Kong. Okay. Uh, he, he actually conduct a, um, a, a culinary school uh, to train people that they would eventually come over to North America or to Europe or uh, Japan to, to own their own restaurant or to work as a chef. And I had about eight months training under this master chef. And also, I worked in a restaurant when I went to high school in Hong Kong so for several years. So, so I basically, I was trained uh, more as, as an apprentice because most of the program now, the culinary school, they, they go anywhere from a year and a half to two years. What would you say makes a good cook? Well, I think it's about your passion, your love of any profession or any subject matter to make you a good uh, professional, whether you're a cook or like you as a, as a radio jockey or, or a, a Tiger Wood. If you, you, first of all, you've got to love what you do. You've got to be passionate about what you do before you become very good because when you love what you do, you tend to exercise. You tend to practice a lot more. And practice makes perfect the same thing. Nobody can swing a knife or swing a golf club like Tiger Wood or, 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 or a knife like a jumper pen unless you have a lot of practice. So uh, basically, you've got to love what you do. Well, your book, Martin, Quick and Easy, starts out by talking about how in contemporary America we seem to be juggling our time, and unlike your dear mother back in Guangzhou, China, we don't seem to have all the time to prepare meals we, we possibly could. That so, is true. Not so only that, because nowadays there's a lot of two-income family, and we're fighting traffic. It doesn't matter what city you live in in the U.S. I live in the Bay Area. I don't know about Sacramento as much anymore, but in the Bay Area, you, you take 101 South or North, uh, around rush hour, you know, it, it takes you an hour and a half to two hours to go home. And, uh, and by the time you get home, you're tired and you don't have enough time to prepare. And you've got to watch one day night football, whatever it is. <laughs> so 
the whole idea of this um, series of television show and cookbook is to teach people how to make use of all the things that are already available in the pantry at home. And also, whatever is available in the supermarket is already prepared for you. You put together something not only quick and easy, but healthy and delicious. So uh, you found a lot of helpful shortcuts for people. Definitely. Give an example. Everybody loves chicken salad. You go to any Chinese restaurant or any even chain restaurant, even a Cheesecake Factory, TGI Friday, or even Denny, they have Chinese chicken salad. Yeah. In the old days, when you do chicken cha- salad, it's pain in the neck because you've got to start with the raw chicken, you've got to marinate your chicken, you've got to grill or roast or, or pan fry your chicken, and then you've got to cut up everything. Nowadays, you go to any supermarket, the, uh, the salad green or the baby um, uh, spinach, all the, the, uh, the salad mix is already prepared for you with the dressing. And then you can go to the deli and buy half a roast chicken, a whole roast chicken. You use half of those, and then you shred it, and you cut it up into little pieces, which is already beautifully done and marinated. Then you sprinkle it on top of your salad, and you serve with whatever dressing you want, uh, whether it's uh, a store-bought dressing or you make your own dressing. Then you can whip up the whole thing in less than 10 minutes. Martin, one thing that you seem to stress in your cooking is that it's not really necessarily very high calorie. A lot of the TV chefs I'm used to seeing tend to be kind of on the heavy side, and you're, you're looking pretty trim. Is that, is that from well, your, you know, your diet? I always ask people, if you think Chinese food is not healthy, you go to Chinatown. How, how often you find any Chinese overweight? Very few. You go to any Chinese community because of diet and, of course, plus exercise. And the most important thing is you eat a variety of food and eat in moderation. And I, I have maintained my weight uh, since college day, and I weighed a, about 136 to 138 pounds. For 15 to 18 years, I maintained that weight between 136 to 138 pounds. The whole idea is don't overdo it sure. and eat in moderation. You, sure. Even you love uh, brownies, even you love cheesecake, even you love butter, you just eat in moderation. The, Eat a variety of food. That's the true test of a good diet. You know, you, you always listen to Julia. Julia lived up to 93 years old and, and, and always healthy. Good point. When you talk of tools and technique, uh, when you start out the book, you're known for your wielding a sharp knife. <laughs> and I, I like to quote your tip number one because I love this. Be sharp. Have a sharp knife, a sharp mind, and a steady cutting board. You don't want to cut your finger off. That's why you need... You know, I, a lot of time I, I look at people use a, a very skimpy cutting board and then yeah. when they cut, the, the, the cutting board is moving around. Unless this is the last time you ever wanted to cook, make sure you have a steady cutting board. So in other words, kind of a bulkier one, a larger one. Yeah. All right. What tools do I need to get started here? I'm looking around my kitchen and well, I... Well, hopefully, everybody uh, most likely already have a wok. And make use of your wok. Your wok is... Or you walk or your stir-fry pan is the most versatile cooking utensil in the world, according to Bon Appetit magazine. And basically, it's an oversized uh, a stir-fry pan or sauté pan anyway. If you don't have a wok or a stir-fry pan, don't worry. You can just use regular sauté pan and you can still do wonderful uh, Chinese stir-fry dishes or whatever. The, the good thing about Chinese wok or stir-fry pan is because they're higher, they're like a salad bowl, so you can use it for stir-frying, for steaming, for deep-frying, for all kinds of things. You mentioned that your mother used to be quite a master of improvising with very few tools. Oh, yeah. You know, in the old days, not just um, uh, people from China. Yeah. In the old days, everybody from or the old country, they don't have as much as what we have now. We're basically, a lot of us kind of get a little bit spoiled, and, 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 and everything is available. And sometimes, in the true reality is, even you have a whole set of knives, of 12, 14 knives, you have a whole set of pots and pans. 
hard, you hardly use all of them all the time, right? You basically put it stuck it somewhere, and when you need it, you couldn't even find it. So the whole important thing is find a few basic tools and use them as much as possible. And, and a rice cooker is okay with you? Oh, rice cooker. Every single Asian household has a rice cooker. The good thing about rice cooker is most people, when they cook rice, got to watch it. Otherwise, you're going to have salmon rice. That means uh, <laughs> uh, bottom is burned and middle is perfectly cooked and the top is raw and it's still uh, too hard. So the most important thing is the rice cooker helps you to solve the problem. You don't get distracted about cooking rice and try to do other things at the same time. And also you can pluck the rice cooker somewhere else while, you co- while you're cooking. Uh, the rest of the dish doesn't tile up your burner. Yeah. So, so rice cooker actually is good. In the, they also serve as a warmer, as a steamer, and do a lot of things. So every single Chinese Asian household has a rice cooker. Well, I think it's the best $40 I ever spent for something for the kitchen. Oh, yeah, it's great. Looking around my kitchen, I suppose uh, I'm, I'm like a lot of people, they don't have uh, very much in there. I've got some salt, flour, sugar, pepper, a few basic spices. What do I need to go and purchase from my local Asian market if I'm going to be uh, following your instructions in quick and easy? Most of the ingredients that I use on this book, you already have in a pantry or at home okay, or in the fridge. So all you really need to do is, you know, everybody already most likely have a bottle of soy sauce. Okay. If you want to make it really a little bit more traditional, you might want to buy a tiny bit of a little bottle of uh, five, five Chinese five spice powder. You can make a variety of stuff, and then you have a bottle of uh, sesame seed oil, which is available in every single supermarket. If you want to be a little bit more adventurous, get a bottle of hoisin sauce and plum sauce and oyster sauce, and then with a few basic sauces, five different sauces, Asian sauces, you can prepare a multitude of dishes that you can even open your Chinese restaurant. That sounds encouragingly simple, and I suppose you can, we, can, we can make good use of it. I have in my kitchen, i got some Tabasco sauce, Worcestershire sauce, hickory barbecue. Those are all things that can be used, too? Oh, definitely. For instance, if you don't have the typical Chinese uh, chili garlic sauce, use Tabasco sauce. If you don't have um, a vinegar with soy sauce, you can use to, uh, uh, Worcestershire sauce. It's very, very easy to do, and Chinese cooking is just use common sense and using your imagination. Any cuisine, anything in life is using basic common sense and using imagination. On TV shows, when we watch cooking going on, your show and other shows, uh, much is made of, of how the food looks when you're done, and, and how important is the presentation of food? Well, when you do it at home, it's not as important as when you entertain people, when you entertain guests on weekends. You know, weekends do a little garnishing and do a little thing. But the good thing about Chinese cooking and Japanese cooking is inherently they already have very interesting color contrast and texture contrast in a dish. So, you know, as long as you put them right nicely together, you don't really even have the garnish and the dish itself would look very good. My friend Sharon Martin wants me to ask you how to make good fried rice. She says hers never comes out right. The trick trick is make sure you start with long grain rice. Don't use glutinous rice or sushi rice because they're too sticky. Use long grain rice, and after you cook the long grain rice in a pot or rice cooker, you put it in the fridge and use it next day. That means you'll use a day-old rice. And when you use uh-huh. it, you break up the rice so they don't lumpy, they don't get lumpy. Okay, break it up into little rice kernels. And then when you do the fried rice, the first thing is you put all the other things. For instance, you do chicken or you do a, a shrimp and ham fried rice and with the frozen peas and carrot. You hit up a frying pan or wok, and then you throw in a tiny bit of oil, throw in a, the, the shrimp and the ham, saute a little bit, put the frozen peas and carrot, and saute and add the seasoning. Then you add the rice. Basically, you're warming up the rice. You don't put the rice in too early. Then the rice will never get stuck. 
Noodles seem to play an important role in Asian foods. Remember when I was a student back at UCD going to the state market, getting those ramen noodles? Uh, a lot of students live on them. They're cheap, but they tend to be high in calorie and high sodium. Can you recommend something else well, when it comes to noodles? Well, there's two different types of noodles. One is a raw noodle, uh-huh. uh, a fresh noodle, whether it's dry or fresh. One is the, the instant noodle. As long as you don't get the, too, eat too much of the instant noodle. With instant noodles, basically deep fry and then steam again, I mean, and, and dried it up and steam again. So basically, what you do is you, you use the, um, the, the, the fresh noodle or pasta to do it. Noodle and pasta is the most versatile uh, feeler for, for everybody. And it doesn't matter what cuisine, Japanese, Chinese, Thai, Vietnamese, Italian, everybody eat noodle. So, uh, so basically, noodle is great. Use fresh noodle, so it's not as much calorie. We should give you a little food science lesson. Dairy products don't seem to turn up so much in Asian foods because uh, a lot of Asian people are lactose intolerant. Yeah, so. including myself. If, yeah. I, if I eat, drink uh, half a glass of milk, I'll be reading Reader's Digest for four hours. If I drink a whole glass of milk, I'll be reading Reader's Digest for two days. That's a problem for a lot of people, so um, is there a way around that? For Well, you use soy milk to do a lot of things. And then also, uh, soy milk is very healthy. You know, all of us over 35 or 40 years old should eat more, should consume more soybean and soybean byproduct anyway. And a lot of people, uh, uh, even in this country, are allergic to, uh, to milk. A lot of people don't realize that. Yeah. Even American, a lot of the people, um, probably about 20 to 25 percent of the people in the U.S. probably are also allergic to milk and lactose intolerance, particularly adults. Uh, because of our lactase kind of decrease as we grow. But the, basically, the most important thing is um, you use the ingredient which is healthy, which is readily available, it's convenient, in order to make quick and easy dishes. But my show and, the, and this book is to teach people, uh, you know, go out for a party for a family of four. You go out to spend about maybe $20. In 20 minutes, your meal is all done. Question about butter. Butter, uh, of course, uh, can we use that? Uh, I use that in my rice. What should I substitute? Chinese, when they cook, they basically use vegetable oil. They don't use butter. Uh, if you do use butter for flavoring, all you do is when you put the oil in, put a, maybe half a teaspoon of butter just to flavor. So you don't need to use butter to stir to to do it. Of course, butter got a wonderful flavor, but it also add a lot of um, a calorie and cholesterol. Sure. So the most important thing is to add a little bit of flavor. To adjust your uh, your your recipe a little bit, and and the recipe is meant for reference. And, and use your imagination, use your common sense. I gather you, let, you, let, you enjoy traveling the world, getting recipes from, from all over the place. I've heard that Roman recipes still exist for a lot of foods. Do we have a lot of ancient Chinese manuscripts telling us how to cook? Oh, definitely, definitely. You know, most of the dishes that we see nowadays have been passed on from generation to another, generation after generation. And then some of these recipes, the techniques and the, and the cooking principle and the essence of the, of the, of the cuisine has been around for thousands of years, just like the Roman recipes. Just that you use a new plate, a new surfing wear, a, a fancier, a good look, better looking walk to do it. In the old days, you just use calcine or stoneware to cook. Now, I know that you, you're big on fruits. You've written some things about just how do you add citrus and perk up meals. Uh... Yeah, you know, fruit is, is you know, we, we're lucky to live in California. You know, uh, fruit should be, uh, should be uh, consume as much as possible. First, you support the local economy. Second, is a healthy way to do it. And, and fruit has a lot of intrinsic um, uh, nutrition, nutritional value, as well as culinary value, because a lot of fruit have natural sugar, natural uh, uh, tanginess. So when you cook it, you don't have to use uh, sugar, you don't have to use, use uh, vinegar. So, you know, so that's why I love fruit. And not only I eat it, I actually use a lot of fruit in my cooking. I use pear, 
I use mango, I use papaya, I use um, melon, I use uh, honeydew, I use apple, I use orange, I use lemon in a lot of my dishes. What about some of the more exotic things? You mentioned mango, but uh, sometimes in, in, in California we can even get some foods from Mexico that are used in Asian cooking, a little not, not so commonly in the West, uh, things like the, the zersat, the jackfruit. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, you, a lot of those like jackfruit and mangosteen and, and, uh, and even durian. You go to Chinatown, you can buy durian. Can, can I get mangosteens and durian in Chinatown? Yeah, you, can, you, go, you go to Chinatown, you can buy durian, mangosteen, and okay. uh, uh, jackfruit and... Uh, and um, uh, 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 even um, uh, the Vietnamese-style uh, uh, dragon fruit and everything. Because those are very interesting and tasty oh, yeah. foods. You can use it as a, as a, as a fruit. And you can use it in a lot, variety of dishes. Like lychee, you can, you can use lychee in, uh, in, in sour dishes. And then also when you serve uh, uh, your ice cream, you put a tiny bit of fresh lychee or canned lychee. It has a different dimension. Do you see dim sum? Uh, a lot of people really love dim sum. Is it, could it be as popular as sushi in America in the future? Do you see that? I think uh, dim sum will be will be more and more popular. In fact, several of my friends is opening dim sum restaurant, a dim sum bar and wine and bar, and uh, I'm 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 considering opening a a, a dim sum wine and bar in uh, Las Vegas. Excellent. Uh, we're coming up against it on time. Just a couple final questions. A lot of people find tofu. It's a very healthy food, but they find it kind of bland. How do you spice it up? It's true. But the quick thing about it being bland is actually an advantage in in a culinary term. Because when, when the most important thing is when you use tofu, when you do soup, you, you can you use the soft, silken soft tofu. When you do stir-fry or casserole, make sure you use the firm tofu so they don't fall apart. The key is, no matter whether you use firm or soft tofu, cut it into smaller pieces, small bite-sized pieces, so it can take up more sauces, more flavoring. And also because being brand uh, a delicate, so it take up whatever flavor you have in the sauce. You can have sweet and sour tofu, curry tofu, savory tofu, oyster flavor sauce, kung pao tofu. So you can do all kinds of things. So in the two sense, it's good because it does not have a distinctive flavor of its own. So it take on any of the flavor from the sauce. Probably nothing is more quick and easy than a soup in theory, yet I always seem to not get it right. And uh, a, a classmate of mine who was Vietnamese one time made some cabbage soup just in a couple minutes, and I was so impressed that, uh, that she did that. I thought, I think I'm, I'm boiling stuff too long. How do you make good soup? No, I think the most important thing... Most of the soup in North America takes a long time to prepare. Okay. Okay, like chowder, and also too rich. Asian, Chinese, Japanese, and, 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 and Thai, and Vietnamese soup are basically very light, like a, a palate cleanser. And what you do is you have a good stock. If you have time, you make your own soup stock. If you don't have time, you know what? You can buy the, the canned soup stock. And then once you have a canned soup stock, then you can just uh, use it as a base. And then you can add cabbage. Yet Napa cabbage is very popular among the Chinese and the, and the Korean uh, because uh, kimchi is made with Napa cabbage. Use Napa cabbage, a little cabbage and some bean sprout and bamboo shoot, throw it in, and just beautiful soup. Well, the book is Quick and Easy by Martin Yan, and we think that cooking is like a radio show. You have to have a good content, and you should present it well. And Martin Yan does both, not just in his kitchen activities, but how he brings them to you on television. So we thank you very much for joining us. My pleasure, and I wish you and your audience a happy holiday. And, and go Aggies. Go Aggie, definitely. And we, and we hope there is a cooking show on public affairs, a cooking with Madeline. I hope maybe you can come back, Martin, and speak to Madeline sometime. Oh, I would love to. All right, thanks I'll again. I'll wash dishes for Marilyn. <laughs> she'll, be, she'll be pleased to hear it. <laughs> Thank you so Alrighty. much. All righty, bye-bye. Bye-bye.